It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bust and Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. Let's go chat with Kyle Glazer right now of Baseball America, uh, the great site who's doing so much wonderful draft coverage and who had this big Nats draft story that I was just talking about. It was actually more about all the teams and, and who does well and who doesn't. But let, let's start there before we get into this year's draft. I mean, th- we knew those numbers. I should say we knew the story. We knew that the Nats just haven't done a good enough job in the draft. My God, was that astounding, though. I mean, if you multiply their offensive production by 15 times, they still don't equal the Astros? Like, that's insane. Look, it's a problem. The Nationals, you have to give them credit. This study started in 2012. Prior to that, the Nationals did a pretty good job. They drafted Steven Strasburg, Bryce Harper, Anthony Rendon. They hit on a lot of their top picks. But as this team started winning and they moved further and further down the draft order, they really struggled to have those late first round finds like we've seen the Dodgers have, like we've seen some other competitive teams have. So I do think if you're the Nationals, you have to look at really all your processes and say something has not been working here for really the better part of a decade. You know, how much of its drafting versus development is, you know, a question that only they really know the answer to. We did see the Nationals make some player development changes, bolster their player development staff uh, a few years ago. So I think there's a chance that will certainly help. But there's no question you have to do better in the draft, regardless of whether you're a large or small market team, as in terms of just what the Nationals have done when you compare them to other teams around baseball. Well, and looking into that, I mean, we just talked about the Braves having it. You obviously mentioned the Astros. What do you think has been the difference? Obviously, the Nationals have drafted later because during that stretch, they've been fairly successful. But other teams have found players that have come up and been good outside of even the first round. What is it with the Nationals that hasn't allowed them to do that? Look, it's a combination of, of scouting and player development, right? I mean, the short answer is the other teams have just found better players and done a better job developing them. Um, it really doesn't get any more complicated than that. So I think if you're the Nationals, again, it's important to kind of take a, a step back, look at things from a, a clear-eyed point of view and realize it's been bad. Whatever you're doing has not been working. 
changes need to be made. And again, to the Nationals' credit, they did make some changes in player development. Uh, Jesse Doherty of the Washington Post wrote about this a little while ago. They had some positions that weren't staffed in the minor leagues. When you look at you know just other teams around baseball, they had all sorts of you know skills coordinators, catching coaches, et cetera, that the Nationals just weren't employing. That was not helping them in player development. That was putting them further behind. But I will say, too, some of the talent wasn't there. I remember in 2021, that Fredericksburg Nationals team, I spoke to an opposing scout who said, it's not like these guys are non-prospects. It's guys who should not be playing professional baseball. That's how bad the Nationals' lower levels of their farm system got. Now, they've obviously bolstered that a little bit with trades. They have beefed up their player development apparatus. And now they're picking higher in the draft. We'll see if they're able to capitalize. You know, Brady House has had a nice bounce back year after, after having an injury plagued year last year. So, you know, we need to see what happens. But there's no sugarcoating it. It was really, really, really bad. And the Nationals made some changes to address it. We'll see if they result in better, uh, better outcomes system has gotten way better to Kyle's point and not only the system when you had really young major leaguers they don't count or help in your rankings right but Mackenzie Gore CJ Abrams uh, those guys are going to be fixtures for years to come uh, having Luis Garcia who's still very young at the big league level uh, and now you're going to add a top 10 prospect in all of baseball to, to a system where you've got James Wood where you've got Robert Hassel who struggled this year but looks like he'll be a contributor in the big leagues so th there's some some things on the come up here uh, based mostly on trading Juan Soto, frankly, which I still was on board with and, and hope people are starting to see was not only the right thing to do, but a necessity based on what Kyle was saying, how terrible things were in some ways in the minor leagues. Um, let's go to this year's draft right at the top, though. Kyle Glazer, Baseball America, his crew covers this as well as anyone. If the, 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 the Pirates, let's just say they do something wacky. They take Max Clark, okay? And now the Nats are debating between Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens at number two overall. I want to know what you think they would do, and I want to know what GM Kyle Glazer would do. <laughs> well, first and foremost, I'll say this. There's a lot of belief in the industry right now that the Pirates will take Wyatt Langford, the Florida outfielder with the number one overall pick, and sign him to a slightly below slot deal. So that would give the Nationals their choice of Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz. Within the industry, and again, a lot can change in four days, but as of this moment, the belief is Paul Skeens to the Nationals is a quote-unquote slam dunk at number two. That's what a senior front office official told me yesterday. I will say this, that you can talk about hitter versus pitcher risk. One thing that has stood out to me throughout this entire draft process, talking to front office officials, talking to scouting directors, talking to people who have a really good track record of success in the game. If you ask them, is Paul Skeens in the same stratosphere as a Garrett Cole, as a Steven Strasburg, you know, the premium pitching prospects, the types of which come around you know, once a decade, they don't hesitate. They say yes, no questions asked. If you ask them, does Dylan Cruz fit with the Adley Rutschmans, the Bryce Harpers, those elite outlier position player prospects, you get kind of split opinions. Now, everyone agrees Dylan Cruz is really, really, really good and should have a very, very good major league career. But there's a lot less hesitation that Paul Skeens is truly a generational talent whereas Dylan Cruz might be a very, very, very good player. So I think given that, GM Kyle Glazer would say, take the ace, an innings-eating ace is the hardest thing to find in all of baseball. And given there does seem to be just that, that slight differentiator of this could be that elite face of the franchise kind of talent, I think you have to take that. I know this sounds kind of foolish because Paul Skeens was talking about this the other day. Any chance he would try going two ways here in the major leagues? No. 
No, not at all. Look, he went completely to pitching at LSU, and that's what led to this jump. He was very, very good at Air Force. Don't get me wrong. But becoming the caliber of pitcher he became this year happened because he put the bat down. You don't want to take a guy this high and say, hey, you have a chance to be a number one caliber starter. Then you start splitting his attention in the minor leagues as he's trying to make that jump after having not done it for a year. And frankly, only doing it against mid-major competition in a very hitter-friendly environment at Air Force. Um, that just wouldn't be smart for the Nationals or his career trajectory. Skeens versus Strasburg and Cole. Yeah. Compare them as prospects. Not, I mean, I, I watched the seasons and the numbers, and I mean, he was historically had a better college season. Coming out as a prospect, is he on the same level as those guys for you? So I, I was not at Baseball America doing prospect work uh, when Strasburg and Cole came out. I was a junior in college when Strasburg came out and, and uh, fresh out of college when Cole came out. So I, I, can't speak to it personally, having you know evaluated them as prospects to the same level as Skeens. I will say that speaking to evaluators throughout the game who have that history, they say yes, no questions asked. Um, Skeens has every bit the stuff they had, has the durability they had. And importantly, when you compare him with Strasburg, Skeens played much, much tougher competition this year. LSU and the SEC day in and day out. You know, Strasburg, the stuff was going to play no matter what, but he was playing in the Mountain West Conference, facing New Mexico, facing Air Force. So there's definitely a sense that Paul Skeens, when you compare him to Strasburg, faced better competition, showed he could do it, and compare him to Cole. Cole did not have a great junior season at UCLA. Uh, there's, you know, more about, okay, the body, the projection, the stuff. Um, but there were some performance questions. We saw him take a little bit to really find his stride in the majors. Uh, had a really good year with Pittsburgh, then fell backward a little bit, got traded to the Astros. That's when he really took off. So there is a sense that Skeens is every bit as good as these guys. And given he faced better competition than Strasburg and had a better year than Cole, you can make the argument in some ways that he might be able to impact, make a, an impact in the major leagues even quicker and, and to a greater degree than those guys did, at least off the bat. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Let me ask you, sorry, Tobe, I'm going to jump in real quick. I, I have heard, and this is, I mean, we are picking nits, right? We are looking at the most beautiful model, and we're like, what about her earlobe or something? You know, it's, just like, it's crazy what we're doing now three days before the draft. But I've heard some stuff about pitch shape, you know, the swings right-handed hitters get against him. And then just specific to the comparison with Strauss and Cole, that maybe like they had four pitches coming out, that the secondary repertoire was deeper, or, you know, so that, you know, they were significantly better. Like, what, what do you say to push back against some of that based on what you just said? I say that this is still a college guy who is going to have development ahead of him. He is not a finished product. There's this really, really um, unfortunate dichotomy that people put on the draft where it's, 
high upside high school players who have a ton of development left and college players are safer and they're more finished products. And while it's true to a degree, guys get better. And this is what player development's for. No one who is an ace in college is ready to jump and be an ace in the major leagues. There's still going to be development here. You look at the stuff, you look at the body, you look at the delivery, you look at the physicality. It's all going to play. You can tweak pitch shapes. You can, you know, adjust grips. You can, we see all the time, guys, sliders take a, a greater two jump, but just adjusting their hand position or their release point. Um, you look at everything Paul Skeens can do, everything he has done, the, the athleticism, the size, all of it. You're going to take this guy every single day and, and not be too worried about it. As long as you do what you should do in player development. Talking with Kyle Glazer from Baseball America. So one thing, if they do throw a curveball and decided to go with Cruz over Skeens, which, you know, the Nationals are a pitcher's organization, so it sounds like it makes all the sense in the world to go with Skeens, the ceiling's higher, and all the different things. But assuming they do go with a guy like Cruz, if they do that, what is his ceiling? You mentioned that people around the league think that Skeens can be in that Scherzer-type repertoire, that, that kind of... Uh, that ceiling. But if you look at Cruz, he doesn't necessarily match some of the ceiling for everyone that some of these other top prospects have. Where does he end up being if he is the pick for the Nationals at two? Yeah, there's still a belief that Dylan Cruz has a chance to be a perennial all-star, a guy who can potentially play center field. But even if he moves to a corner, gonna hit for average, gonna hit for power. You know, he's a good runner, good athlete, can throw really a, a true five-tool talent. That phrase gets thrown around a lot. In reality, five-tool talents are, are very, very rare. You can count them on one hand. And he has a chance to be one of them. So it, in scouting parlance, talk about the 20 to 80 scouting scale. Paul Skeens, you'll get a, a 70 or a 75, which is a number one or two starter. Dylan Cruz will get more 65s, which is, hey, that's a perennial all-star who is you know, among the league leaders in multiple categories every year who's batting the middle of your lineup. So still a really, really, really good player. And you can argue that given the inherent nature of, of injury risk in pitchers, maybe you take that because you feel better about getting that. Whereas just by virtue of the fact he's a pitcher, there's going to be a wider variance of outcomes for Paul Skeens. That's the argument there. Um, but at the end of the day, there is once again, a belief the Nationals will make Paul Skeens their pick. And if they do, he has a chance to be a true number one starter, which again is, is the most difficult and rare commodity in baseball today. Well, you mentioned Wyatt Langford's name earlier on when you had said that, you know, Langford has a chance to go one, one to Pittsburgh. I'm wondering, he's a little bit of a forgotten man here. I feel like he could have gone first overall in some recent drafts just based on overall talent. Like if let's say Skeens goes first to the pirates, cause they just decide, Hey, we can't get aces like this in free agency and we can't even trade for them because we need to keep our prospects. So the only chance we ever have to have a Paul Skeens as a number one, like a Garrett Cole is by taking them first overall. So we're going to do that. And now the Nats are on the clock. I think they would take Cruz. He's the best player in the country, but I mean, Langford has more power. As you said, if Cruz does move to a corner, now the, the biggest separator between the two of them is gone anyway, uh, being that they both play in a corner. Should there be more consideration, again, in a non-scheme situation between Langford and Cruz for them, or should they just take Cruz? Yeah, no, it's absolutely fair. If they chose Wyatt Langford over Dylan Cruz, this is something I've talked about uh, with you before, Grant. I've talked about a number of other places. What's been said in the public sphere for weeks that Dylan Cruz is the clear-cut number one it does not line up with reality with what front office officials have been saying for months. What we've been talking about at Baseball America for months, that Paul Skeens, Dylan Cruz, and Wyatt Langford are all number one caliber type of picks. And there are teams out there 
who do prefer Wyatt Langford to Dylan Cruz. Again, not a knock on Cruz. That's just how good they believe Wyatt Langford is and can be as a hitter. So if Wyatt Langford went one, two, or three, none of that should be seen as controversial. He is a really, really, really special talent, particularly at the plate, and someone that will be a benefit to any team that uh, he is on. So you talk about Langford going one. Is there any chance that Max Clark slips in there and goes to the Pirates at one? Never say never. Again, so many things can happen, whether negotiations go sideways or there's a a late surprising medical issue that arises. So never say never. But within the industry, there is a very, very, very strong belief that the Pirates will take one of the three collegians at the top over the high schoolers. And at this moment, the belief is Wyatt Langford would be the pick because he will sign for less than Skeens and Cruz and in some circles is considered a comparable or, or in some cases even equal talent. Yeah, he might sign for a half million, maybe less than Cruz. I've heard, you know, Cruz might look for 9.2, 9.4, something like that. And, and Langford would be sub uh, around eight and a half, you know, under $9 million. So you're talking about maybe saving several hundred thousand dollars the way that it works. And we can explain this more. Um, and not waste Kyle's time to do it, but uh, basically you, you get you know an allowance and and you can divvy that up between all of your picks as you see fit. Uh, along those lines, the Nationals pick for the second time at number forty. Uh, it's impossible to kind of project what they do because we need to see how the board falls. But I guess what I'm wondering is, are there possibilities of some players falling because of signability or some guys that you think might be mid first round talents that end up being around uh, in that area? that could be targeted because you know, I look at Jake Bennett, who they drafted last year, who looks like the real deal out of Oklahoma and is moving quickly through their system. Everyone's focused on the number two pick and they should, they're going to get like the seventh best prospect in baseball on BA's top 100, probably the day after the draft. Uh, but this draft is so much more important than just one player. Like they can continue to really restock the system. If they hit three home runs, all of a sudden, you know, that can move you up five spots in your, in your system rankings. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Jake Bennett. That's a good point. I remember last year leading up to draft day, I was getting some late buzz. Hey, he's moving up. He's moving up. He might go back in the first. Eventually, turned out he went second, but that was still a great pick for the Nationals, essentially getting a guy that some people thought could be a back of the first round talent. In terms of this year's draft, more than players falling because of signability, this is a draft that is very, very, very deep in high school shortstops. There's about a dozen of them that are really, really, really talented all of whom you could say are our first or supplemental first round type of talents, but just due to the fact you also have a really, really good college position player class, plus a few premium pitchers at the top. Some of these guys are going to fall. Not all 12 of them are going to go in the first round. So the nationals by virtue of having a fairly high second round pick, you know, they can reasonably assume that one or two of them will be there. And there's an option to potentially get a guy who in other drafts might be a back of the first round type of talent to get him in the second round. And just outside of the Nationals, are there any guys that you're looking at outside of, you know, we've talked about Clark, we've talked about Langford, Cruz, Skeens, any guys that maybe are going to go outside the top five, top 10 that you're looking at thinking this guy could really be a stud? Yeah, there's a shortstop. uh, I mentioned the high school shortstop out in Eaton, Colorado named Walker Martin, um, who a lot of evaluators think 
has a chance to be one of the best players in this draft class when we look back on it in five years. Uh, he plays in Colorado, not against great competition, so not a baseball hotbed um, as such, kind of went under the radar in some circles. Um, tall left-handed hitter, beautiful swing, plays shortstop now, could move to third. Some people think he has a chance to have a Gunnar Henderson kind of rise. Remember, Gunnar Henderson was uh, the first pick of the second round, ended up being the number one overall prospect in baseball, now a huge part of the Orioles' future plans. Some people think that might be a little lofty. Still see a guy like a Ryan McMahon who's turned out to be a very good player for the Rockies. So keep an eye on Walker Martin. Um, he's someone that that might go mid-first round and could be a fast riser once he gets to the pro ball. Kyle, you are the best. We appreciate you, buddy. Thank you so much, and enjoy what is going to be a wild few days here ahead of the draft. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Kyle A. Glazer on Twitter. Check him out there. He's got a great account, and please read his work over at BaseballAmerica.com.